The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 3, The Guillotine, Book 4, Terror, Chapter 3, Retreat of the Eleven. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by Peter Dan. Book 4, Chapter 3, Retreat of the Eleven. It is one of the notablest retreats, this of the Eleven, that history presents, the handful of forlorn legislators retreating there continually with shouldered firelock and well-filled cartridge box in the yellow autumn, long hundreds of miles between them and Bordeaux, the country all getting hostile, suspicious of the truth, simmering and buzzing on all sides more and more. Louvet has preserved the itinerary of it, a piece worth all the rest he ever wrote. O virtuous Pétion, with thy early white head, O brave young Barbaroux, has it come to this? Weary ways, worn shoes, light purse, Encompassed with perils as with a sea, Revolutionary committees are in every township Of Jacobin temper, our friends all cowed, Our cause the losing one. In the borough of Montcourt, by ill chance, it is market day. To the gaping public, such transit of a solitary marching detachment is suspicious. We have need of energy, of promptitude and luck, to be allowed to march through. Hasten ye, weary pilgrims, the country is getting up. Noise of you is bruited day after day. A solitary twelve retreating in this mysterious manner. With every new day, a wider wave of inquisitive pursuing tumult is stirred up till the whole west will be in motion. Cussy is tormented with gout. Buzo is too fat for marching. Rioff, blistered, bleeding, marching only on tiptoe, Barbaru limps with sprained ankle, yet ever cheery, full of hope and valour. Light Louvet glances hair-eyed, not hair-hearted. Only virtuous Pétion's serenity was but once seen ruffled. They lie in straw-lofts, in woody brakes, rudest palace on the floor of a secret friend is luxury. They are seized in the dead of night by Jacobin mares and tap of drum, get off by firm countenance, rattle of muskets and ready wit. Of Bordeaux, through fiery La Vendée and the long geographical spaces that remain, it were madness to think. Well, if you can get to Camper on the sea coast and take shipping there. Faster, ever faster, before the end of the march, so hot as the country grown, it is found advisable to march all night. They do it under the still night canopy. They plod along, and yet, behold, rumour has outplodded them. In the paltry village of Carhay, be its thatched huts and bottomless peat bogs long notable to the traveller, one is astonished to find light still glimmering. Citizens are awake with rushlights burning in that nook of the terrestrial planet. As we traverse swiftly the one poor street, a voice is heard saying, There they are, les voilà qui passons. Swifter, ye doomed lame twelve, speed ere they can arm, gain the woods of camper before day, and lie squatted there. The doomed twelve do it, though with difficulty, with loss of road, with peril, and the mistakes of a night. In camper are Girondin friends, who perhaps will harbour the homeless till a Bordeaux ship weigh. Way-worn, heart-worn, in agony of suspense, till camper friendship get warning, they lie there, squatted under the thick, wet boskage, suspicious of the face of man. Some pity to the brave, to the unhappy. 
unhappiest of all legislators, oh, when ye packed your luggage some score or two score months ago and mounted this or the other leathern vehicle to be conscript fathers of a regenerated France and reap deathless laurels, did ye think your journey was to lead hither? The camp of Samaritans find them squatted, lift them up to help and comfort, will hide them in sure places. Thence let them dissipate gradually, or there they can lie quiet and write memoirs till a Bordeaux ship sail. And thus, in Calvados, all is dissipated. Rom is out of prison, meditating his calendar. Ringleaders are locked in his room. At Cayenne, the Corday family mourns in silence. Buzo's house is a heap of dust and demolition, and amid the rubbish sticks a gallows with this inscription, Here dwelt the traitor Buzo, who conspired against the Republic. Buzo and the other vanished deputies are hors la loi, as we saw, their lives free to take where they can be found. The worse fares it with the poor arrested visible deputies at Paris, Arrestment at home threatens to become confinement in the Luxembourg to end where? For example, what pale-visaged thin man is this journeying towards Switzerland as a merchant of Neuchâtel whom they arrest in the town of Moulin? To Revolutionary Committee he is suspect. To Revolutionary Committee, on probing the matter, he is evidently Deputy Brissot. Back to thy arrestment, poor Brissot, or indeed to straight confinement, whither others are fed to follow. Rabot has built himself a false partition in a friend's house, lives in invisible darkness between two walls. It will end this same arrestment business in prison and the revolutionary tribunal. Nor must we forget Dupere and the seal put on his papers by reason of Charlotte. One paper is there fit to breed woe enough, a secret, solemn protest against that supreme dies of the 2nd of June. This secret protest our poor Dupere had drawn up the same week, in all plainness of speech, waiting the time for publishing it, to which secret protest his signature, and that of other honourable deputies, not a few, stands legibly appended. And now, if the seals were once broken, the mountain still victorious? Such protesters, your messieurs, bayeurs, seventy-three by the tale, what yet remains of respectable Girondism in the convention may tremble to think these are the fruits of levying civil war. Also we find that in these last days of July the famed siege of Mentz is finished, the garrison to march out with honours of war, not to serve against the coalition for a year. Lovers of the picturesque, and Goethe standing on the chaussée of Mentz, saw with due interest the procession issuing forth in all solemnity. Escorted by Prussian horse came first the French garrison. Nothing could look stranger than this latter. A column of Marseillaise, slight, swarthy, parti-coloured, in patched clothes, come tripping on, as if King Edwin had opened the dwarf hill and sent out his nimble host of dwarfs. Next followed regular troops, serious, sullen, not as if downcast or ashamed. But the remarkablest appearance which struck everyone was that of the chasers, chasseurs, coming out mounted. They had advanced quite silent to where we stood when their band struck up the Marseillaise. 
This revolutionary tedium has in itself something mournful and bodeful, however briskly played, but at present they gave it in altogether slow time, proportionate to the creeping step they rode at. It was piercing and fearful, and a most serious-looking thing, as these cavaliers, long, lean men of a certain age, with mien suitable to the music, came pacing on. Singly you might have likened them to Don Quixote. In mass they were highly dignified. But now a single troop became notable, that of the commissioners or representants. Merlin of Thionville, in hussar uniform, distinguishing himself by wild beard and look, had another person in similar costume on his left. The crowd shouted out with rage at sight of this latter, the name of a Jacobin townsman and clubist, and shook itself to seize him. Merlin drew bridle, referred to his dignity as French representative, to the vengeance that should follow any injury done. He would advise every one to compose himself, for this was not the last time they would see him here. Thus rode Molin, threatening in defeat. But what now shall stem that tide of Prussians setting in through the open northeast? Lucky of fortified lines of Wassenberg and impassibilities of Vosges mountains confine it to French Alsace, keep it from submerging the very heart of the country. Furthermore, precisely in the same days, Valenciennes' siege is finished in the northwest, fallen under the red hail of York. Condé fell some fortnight since. Sumerian coalition presses on. What seems very notable, too, on all these captured French towns, there flies not the royalist fleur-de-lis in the name of a new Louis the Pretender, but the Austrian flag flies, as if Austria meant to keep them for herself. Perhaps General Castine, still in Paris, can give some explanation of the fall of these strong places. Mother society from tribune and gallery growls loud that he ought to do it, remarks, however, in a splenetic manner that the messieurs of the Palais Royal are calling long life to this general. The mother society, purged now by successive scrutinies or épurations from all taint of Girondism, has become a great authority, what we can call shield-bearer or bottle-holder, nay, call it Fugelman, to the purged national convention itself. The Jacobins' debates are reported in the Moniteur, like parliamentary ones. End of Book 4, Chapter 3